Welcome to the Disney View Podcast. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer. He's a one-time cast member, and he's been to Disney World literally hundreds of times. Listen in as he talks about one of his favorite things, the Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando, and occasionally beyond the Orlando theme park. And now, here's your host. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View. Well, here we are. It's near the Halloween season again, and that means that I need to bring a guest back on. And last year I had a lot of fun talking to uh, Christy Peterson Schoonover, and I uh, wanted to bring her back to talk about uh, some secrets and thoughts about Disney World and the Haunted Mansion. So let's bring Christy back on. Christy, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you, Dave? I am doing fantastic, getting ready for the holiday season. I, I know it's one of your favorite times of year. Oh my God, it's totally my favorite time of year. <laughs> It just seems um, like it happened so quickly because I just got married and just got back from my honeymoon in Walt Disney World, actually, and then bang, it's fall, you know, and here in New England, it's just such a shocking change from the summer. But that's awesome. I mean, hey, congratulations on getting married and, uh, you know, and spending time at Disney World, you know. It's the, yeah, well, it was awesome as as always. We went longer than usual. Um, we did seven days, six nights this time, and we spent some time doing some things on the property that we don't normally get to do. Ah. Uh, we, like, we did the mini golf, which was really neat. We did the Winter Summerland mini golf, which was just so much fun and different. Yep. We did a carriage ride, and it just goes to show you, you can go to Disney World and never see it all. That's, that is absolutely true. I live I live down here in Florida, and uh, I, th- I go there sometimes, and I'm amazed by the things that I haven't done, and I'm there, like, all the time. Yeah. It just amazes me. Um, anyway, wanted to uh, make sure I mention your book. Um, Actually, it's kind of a long title. It's Skeletons in the Swimming Hole, Tales from Haunted Disney World. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was published in 2010, and it's ghost stories set in Disney parks. Um, it is for, you know, teens and up. It's, it's not for kids. I just wanted to mention that. So, Perfect. in fact, I have a lot of moms that really enjoy it because they feel like, oh, it's Disney stuff just for me. That's you know? cool. There you go. <laughs> so, I don't have to share this with my kids. Yeah, very good. So. Um, and it's available on Amazon, um, so you're welcome to, uh, to go check it out. Yep, it's available on Amazon. It's available for Kindle. Um, I believe it's also available in all the other electronic formats. Perfect. Yeah, make sure that people can get a copy of it. Great time of year to talk about a book like that. So um, let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about. You've got some uh, some interesting new uh, ideas about or thoughts about uh, Disney World and the Haunted Mansion. Um, wonder if you could bring us up to speed with where we are on those. Yeah. Well, I know that last year. Um, you know, we had done, when you and I talked, I just sort of did a brief overview of some of the real ghost stories that may have inspired some of the imagery and the vignettes in the Haunted Mansion. And I figured since last year we had done a brief overview, this this year I would look at a couple of them in depth and, and share those with your listeners. Uh, one of my favorite ones is The Rotting Wedding Cake in the Attic. Okay. Uh, in the attic near where Constance is standing. Now, Constance is, of course, the new bride, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. There's a wedding cake that, even though it's really hard to see in the dark, it's yellowed and it's rotting. And what's hmm. interesting about this is there is a very famous yellowed, rotting wedding cake in Charles Dickens' book, Great Expectations. Have you ever read it? I have. It's been a long time, but I have read it. Yeah. Um, so you remember Miss Havisham? Yes. Yeah, and how scary she was. Yes, she was. She was totally scary. Yeah. 
She's the only reason I reread that book. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in order to explain that, I'm I'm just going to first share with your listeners about Miss Havisham for those of you know your listeners who probably haven't read it because I'm sure there's plenty that have not read it. Sure. Um, she is to be our main character, Pip's benefactor, and on her wedding day, she was left at the altar. She never got over this, and so she stayed dressed in her gown. Her for the rest of her life, basically. Uh, at the time that Pip meets her in the book, she's very old. So I'm guessing she was probably hanging out uh, dressed in this wedding gown for, I don't know, 60 years, 70 years, something like that. Sure, yeah. Uh, but I'm just going to take a moment to read these couple of brief passages which describe her. In an armchair with an elbow resting on the table and her head leaning on that hand sat the strangest lady I have ever seen or shall ever see. She was dressed in rich materials, satins and lace and silks, all of white. Her shoes were white, and she had a long white veil dependent from her hair, and she had bridal flowers in her hair, but her hair was white. Some bright jewels sparkled on her neck and on her hands, and some other jewels lay sparkling on the table. Dresses, less splendid than the dress she wore, and half-packed trunks, were scattered about. Just to interrupt here, does that not yep. sound like the attic? That <laughs> sounds remarkably. Totally yeah, it sounds... Mansion's attic. She had not quite yeah. finished dressing, for she had but one shoe on. The other was on the table near her hand. Her veil was but half arranged. Her watch and chain were not put on. And some lace for her bosom lay with those trinkets, and with her handkerchief, and gloves, and some flowers, and a prayer book all confusedly heaped about the looking glass. It was not in the first few moments that I saw all these things, though I saw more of them in the first moments than might be supposed. But I saw that everything within my view which ought to be white had been white long ago, and had lost its luster, and was faded and yellow. I saw that the bride within the bridal dress had withered like the dress, and like the flowers, and had no brightness left but the brightness of her sunken eyes. I saw that the dress had been put upon the rounded figure of a young woman, and that the figure upon which it now hung loose had shrunk to skin and bone. Once, I had been taken to see some ghastly waxwork at the fair, representing I know not what impossible personage lying in state. Once, I had been taken to one of our old marsh churches to see a skeleton in the ashes of a rich dress that had been dug out of a vault under the church pavement. Now, waxwork and skeletons seemed to have dark eyes that moved and looked at me. I should have cried out if I could. It was then I began to understand that everything in the room had stopped, like the watch and the clock, a long time ago. And then, you know, he goes on from there and describes how her dress is like a veil and a shroud and it's hanging, it's hanging off her in bags and how she's corpse-like. Now, I've always loved those passages that describe her, but, you know, before we had the new bride, Constance, mm -hmm. and the story that's surrounding her, which is, of course, that she has beheaded all of her husbands, we had a really pretty nondescript bride. Right. Yeah, and I mean... It, she was dressed in, you know, t a tattered yellowed gown. Mm -hmm. The gown was kind of hanging off her. I right. went back and looked at some uh, photographs. I guess it was like yesterday when I was preparing for the interview. I went back and looked at some photographs of, the, you know, the original bride. And it was 
really interesting to see that they really did make the dress look like, uh, you know, it was sort of bagging off of her. So I just wonder, you know, it just makes me wonder, you know. Miss Havisham, in the story, of course, she's still alive, but the way the passages are written, she could pass for a ghost. So it wouldn't surprise me if Havisham may have been inspired. It may have inspired the original bride, um, just because that's such a famous passage. That's I a, don't know. What do you think? That's a really cool, cool thought. And actually, that could very well be the case. I know that um, the Imagineers, when they first were planning for the uh, the haunted mansion, had a lot of different um, stories in mind that they wanted to kind of bring to life in some way. So I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere along the way, Great Expectations was included in that thought process. Yeah. And um, maybe it never made the original, you know, cut for the uh, for the scene. But certainly, I think it probably had some influence, and maybe that may be what they, you know, when they evolved it, that may be what they put in there. Um, certainly seems like it. I mean, it fits very well with the kind of the storyline. Oh, it does. And also, up in that area of the attic, which is still there, of course, I'm going to get to the cake now, the cake part I was talking about. Um, but you know, there's the rotting wedding cake. There's all of the you know wedding stuff. That still almost looks like it's set up still a yes. little bit. Yes, um, The cake, near as I can tell, also has his, its roots in this, too, I think, in Great Expectations. Pip realizes that Miss Havisham still has her whole wedding feast set up. Do you remember this part? Oh, the- that's right. Yes, that's, that's right. I had forgotten about that. Yeah, I actually had to go look wow. it up again because... Yeah. It'd been so many years since I read it, I wasn't sure. I was like, okay, did I just kind of fill that detail in, or was that really in the book? Somewhere in your psyche you remember this. You know, it's in the memory book somewhere, but where did it come from exactly? Yeah, it comes from, actually, it's, the other passage I read, you guys, was chapter 8. I think this appears a little bit later on in the book. I didn't write the chapter down, and I don't have my copy with me. I just lifted the little passage to read here. Sure. Because um, this is nice and creepy. I crossed the staircase landing and entered the room she indicated. From that room, too, the daylight was completely excluded, and it had an airless smell that was oppressive. A fire had been lately kindled in the damp, old-fashioned grate, and it was more disposed to go out than to burn up, and the reluctant smoke which hung in the room seemed colder than the clearer air, like our own marsh mist. Certain wintry branches of candles on the high chimney piece fainted like faintly lighted the chamber, or it would be more expressive to say, faintly troubled its darkness. It was spacious, and I dare say had once been handsome but every discernible thing in it was covered with dust and mold and dropping to pieces. The most prominent object was a long table with a tablecloth spread on it, as if a feast had been in preparation when the house and the clocks had all stopped together. An epron or centerpiece of some kind was in the middle of this cloth. It was so heavily overhung with cobwebs that its form was quite undistinguishable, and... As I looked along the yellow expanse, out of which I remember it seeming to grow, like a black fungus, I saw speckle-legged spiders with blotchy bodies running home to it, and running out from it, as if some circumstances of the greatest public importance had just transpired in the spider community. These crawling things had fascinated my attention, and I was watching them from a distance when Miss Havisham laid a hand upon my shoulder. In her other hand, she had a crutch-headed stick on which she leaned, and she looked like the witch of the place. This, said she, 
pointing to the long table with her stick, is where I will be laid when I am dead. They shall come and look at me here. With some vague misgiving that she might get upon the table then and there and die at once, the complete realization of the ghastly waxwork at the fair, I shrank under her touch. What do you think that is? She asked me, again pointing with her stick. That, where those cobwebs are. I can't guess what it is, ma'am, I said. It's a great cake. A bride cake, she said. Mine. So. Ooh, that sends the, the tingles, doesn't it? Yeah, it <laughs> really that. is creepy. Like, you get this vision of just this long table that's set for dinner, and there's this giant cake just sitting there rotting. Right. Ooh. <laughs> uh, and it's, you know, and, and of course, it's probably very old as well. Um, now, what's interesting, too, Dave, have you been to the Disneyland in Paris? Because I haven't yet. I have, actually. You have. I have, and that I've done. I did a podcast about the uh, haunted mansion there. It is the creepiest, most amazing thing I've ever seen. Um, wow. It's it's remarkable. It just it had a, it's when I hear the music to it still, or I hear I still hear I have the Vincent Price um, audio I play once in a while. Mm-hmm. When I hear that, it just, it still creeps me out. Um, it was just so fascinating, and it was so wonderful, and had a certain richness to it that the other parks don't. And I think that it's partially due to the time and partially due to the um, the European culture that was more in tune with that. Mm-hmm. But it's just a remarkable thing. Yeah, I mean, I've heard such wonderful things about it. Mm-hmm. There's the party yes. that they're having in the ballroom, although – is it in the ballroom over there? Uh, it is in, it's in the ballroom. It's a, it's a slightly different ballroom, but it is a ballroom like that. Okay, so instead of the birthday party that we have here in Florida, right. I think it's their wedding reception. It's the wedding party, right. Exactly. It's the wedding reception that's going on. Yeah, and somebody said that um, I haven't looked at photos of it in a while, but that the food is all on the table and it's rotting. Yes, that's correct. So I was like, wow, I wonder that, if they got that. They ripped right at, that right out of Great Expectations. And that wouldn't surprise me at all. See, and that's the thing. You know, I think Walt Disney had once said that you know he, he he preferred to entertain people and hope they learn. And if you're taking something out of a, like a, a Dickens novel and you're you're entertaining people with that. And somehow they, you know, they captured that gets captured in there. Maybe they learn it, and you know, maybe through this podcast and other means, they they decide to go read that, um, uh, read that that book. You know, they've learned something, right? They they get a little bit more exposed to literature, something like that. So I I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Imagineers all came together and had these different pieces that they wanted to pull together and probably put it at Disneyland Paris. And then as they were renovating Disney World, said, "Hey, let's put it here too. Let's let's add some pieces to it." Yeah. No, no, I think you're absolutely right. And what's so interesting, too, is I believe that the story of, what's the bride's name over there? Is it Melody? Is that her name? Um, Biden Paris. It starts with an M, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. I want to say it's Melody or Melanie or something, but I'm sure, you know, your listener, somebody out there will know or you can look it up. Um, I think her story or the story they gave her is kind of like a Miss Havisham sort of story um, but where either the guy gets killed or I, I don't remember. I, exactly, what, I rem- but. what I remember is there's a, you know, there's a line in the, uh, in the English translation because the, there's a woman's voice who does this, the French and then the English translation. And she starts talking about the, um, the, the ravishing va- bride and the vanishing room. And it just, you know, it kind of, kind of encapsulates it. I guess he disappears or, you know, gets cold feet or something or gets killed. Um, but he's not there at the wedding. Yeah. And that's that kind of, you know, pulls it all together. And therefore, she's haunting the mansion in her wedding gown. Something, yeah, something along those lines. That's very, very Miss Havisham. 
definitely. Very Miss Havisham. Yeah, there's another section. Um, you know, I'll have to actually look into that now. Maybe that'll be like a side project for me. I'll go look into that at some point and see if I can compare it. But uh, um, I was just looking at this other section that I didn't get a chance to read, but there's nothing really in there except it just kind of, you know, reemphasizes the withered bridal dress on the collapsed form and, and that everything is yellow. The other um, image that I wanted to talk about that's one of my favorites is the skeleton with the trowel. Yes. Uh, and that's right before we leave the graveyard. And he's he's inside his own his his own grave, and he's like reaching out to uh, to close the bricks up, right? Is that the one? Yes, yes. And it's right. It's like right at the edge. It's like right before you go around the corner. And if you're looking at other things, you might miss it. Um, it's on the right. It would be on the right hand side. Right hand uh, forward motion. Right. Buggy. Okay. Yep. Um, just before we leave the graveyard, there's that skeleton, and he's breaking him. He's troweling himself in. I always like to think that that particular image. Um, had its roots in a couple of Edgar Allan Poe stories, which mm. are actually, it's kind of an obvious thought if you think about it, but sure. the black cat in which the unreliable narrator kills his wife and then walls her up in the cellar. But I think it's more the cask of Amontillado in which Montresor walls up his, quote, friend, end quote, Fortunato, you know, in the wine cellar. But in that story, there's actually, in the cask of Amontillado, there's a specific reference to a trowel. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, he says, uh, As I said these words, I busied myself among the pile of bones of which I have before spoken. Throwing them aside, I soon uncovered a quantity of building stone and mortar. With these materials and with the aid of my trowel, I began vigorously to wall up the entrance of the niche. That, that certainly fits right in with that. Yeah. It does. I just wonder if that's where they pulled it from, because I'm like, that's... I mean, you know, Edgar Allan Poe, of course, does a lot with walling up. You know, he's really into that. Yeah, he was kind of into that, right? Let's bury him alive, whatever. But I just found that they got this skeleton there with this trowel, and then in this story, there is a line about the trowel, and it's specifically mentioned, and I just was like, oh, that's that's totally interesting, so... That is, it's really interesting. And just to return to your question before about the bride's name in Disneyland Paris, it is Melanie. It is Melanie, okay. Yeah, I knew it was Melanie or Melody or something. I'm dying to get out there to see that because it just seems like it's so much darker and scarier. It's got, it's definitely got that macabre atmosphere to it that you would more expect from sort of a European audience in a way. Right. Um, it was really fascinating. I, I must have written it. I was there for a few days, and I must have written it about ten or twelve times, and I was just fascinated by it. Yeah. What looks What looks particularly scary to me is the actual earthquake western Western town scenes. Yeah, and just. The thing that, that I think about it, when I, when I remember it, the thing that I really loved about it was it told a more complete story. Mm-hmm. Where the one in Disney World, it's fun and I like it and, you know, it's got a certain style to it and there's a lot of backstories that are proposed or purported. But this one had a story and it followed through that story from the beginning to the end. And I thought uh, that was amazing. Um, you know, they did a, a better job of storytelling in a way. Yeah, because I think with, you know, the Haunted Mansion and Disney World and Disneyland, of course, which were the the, the Disneyland one came first, um, obviously. Right. But I think that both haunted mansions, 
here in the States, what we're dealing with is the Imagineers kind of got together and said, okay, let's take all of these ghost stories, as you and I have talked about, you know, today and, and last year. Let's take all these classic ghost stories and, like, lump them all together and, and show, you know, everybody their classic ghostly things, you know. There really is no complete story for those two mansions. I mean, I personally don't think there is. I think it's just a, conglom- a big mashup of, of everything, which is why we can talk about, you know, uh, we see elements of the oval portrait. We see elements of the body snatcher. We see elements of the cask of Amontillado, great expectations, uh, the phantom rickshaw. That's another one I'm going to talk about, but I think I'm saving Ooh. that for next year. <laughs> <laughs> little um, teaser. <laughs> you know, all of these different ghost stories, whereas I think you're right. Disneyland Paris is a complete story from beginning to end. It's the story of haunting of one house right and it, it just kind of it in some ways it works better just because it's one story you know you're, you're immersed in this in this wonderful rich storyline that's that's going along um and not that's not to denigrate what's in the united states at all because they're very good attractions it's just that that one just goes so much further and different and it's just it's creepy yeah no no i totally agree and um oh i i did want to uh tell you too we were in uh when i went to the magic kingdom this trip um we were there like i said on my honeymoon um i was going to do a special on my blog which i don't think i'm going to get around to now but i was going to do my five favorite creepy things in the magic kingdom oh not in the haunted mansion oh very cool so i didn't know if you wanted me to share that or not yeah sure we could we could we could spend a few minutes and talk about that that's really cool yeah i I just figured you know of course the haunted mansion creepy and and all that but what's creepy in the magic kingdom that isn't anywhere near the haunted mansion and i'd have to say that um my my number five on my list is the trio of platypuses in it's a small world have yeah. you ever seen those yes and i'm trying to think because they're so out of place it's a very strange thing it is they're just sitting there they look really malevolent yeah, they do kind of. <laughs> they do not look happy. <laughs> That's a good. I had I had kind of forgotten about them, but you're right. They look. They they seem so out of place, and they don't look happy. It's almost like they're you know they're kind of haunting the place in a way. Or yeah, and I mean they're sitting there with their eggs or whatever. I think that's what they're they're kind of holding in their hands or their eggs. And I actually grabbed video of them this time when I went through when I was there on my last trip because I was like you know and it. I had always known they were there, and in fact, I do make a reference to them in one of my Disney short stories, not one of the ones in the Skeletons book, but in one that you can get online um, on my website. It's there available online for anybody who wants to read it. I didn't publish it in the book because it was really an idea that had been done before, you know, the, the dolls kind of coming to life and all that. It's been done. So I didn't want to put that in the book, but I do make a, references, a reference to the nasty platypuses. Um, and it's funny because you almost miss them if you don't look at the right time. Yeah, you know, I just I just Googled them real quick just because I was I could you know I, I remembered seeing them but I couldn't think of where they were and as soon as I saw them I go oh yeah those guys right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. They're they're kind of off to the side. And they're holding their egg and it's just a very strange thing. Yeah, and they, it's almost like they're looking at you when you go around the corner. It's freaky. Uh, so that was my number five. My number four. Of course, they have the original Enchanted Tiki Room back in place now, which I'm very happy about. Uh, me too. So my number four is the tiki's on the wall, the singing tiki's in the Enchanted Tiki Room. Yeah, they always have kind of a, a weird feel to them, don't they? It's almost like they're, I don't know, I don't know what to say about them, but yeah. 
Yeah, again, it's like the walls are watching you. It's really eerie. And because the, even if the lights are not on them, like when they're actually not doing their singing, when they're not doing their actual singing, if you just sit there and watch them in the dark, they're looking at, they're animated. They're watching you. Right, and their eyes move and stuff too. It's really, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's very uncomfortable. Um, number three on my list was the skeleton in Pirates of the Caribbean, the one who's on the ship. <coughs> the one who's on the ship. Um, yeah, you come, um, <coughs> it's when you come into the ride, you, you, you before you oh, go down. Oh, yes, the, yes. Oh, it's right before you go down right. the drop. Yes, okay, that one, yes. That, where he's standing on the deck of the ship and it's storming and there's wind. Uh, that always used to terrify me. I just kind of thought, it's again, it's kind of more obvious than the other two things, but I was really like, ooh, that, you know, I always sort of went by it when I was um, younger and in prior trips, and this time I really looked at it, and I was like, wow, that's really unsettling. It, it is, because he's, he's got a, he's almost got, you almost feel like he has a grin on his face, um, <clears throat> and the way he's kind of looking ahead, and it's, it's, even the stance and the pose they put him in, it's it's got a certain creepiness to it. <clears throat> Yeah, and it's almost very rhyme of the ancient mariner. Yes, you know the Samuel Taylor um, Coleridge poem about uh, you know water, water everywhere, and something, something, something. I don't remember it. Water, water everywhere, and not a drop to drink. That's where that comes from. Right, and it's about the cursed. Actually, there's a reference to that. The changing ship portrait in the haunted mansion, I think, has its roots in the rhyme of the ancient mariner. Yeah, I think it does, actually. Um, that would make sense. Right, right. I don't know. Did we talk about that last year? Anyway, I, yeah. um, I'll finish this list in the one. <laughs> uh, my number two on my list is Injun Joe's Cave on Tom Sawyer Island. Ooh, yeah, that's a totally creepy one. They've, they've lightened it a little bit over the years. It used to be a little darker, um, but it still has a certain creepiness to it mm-hmm. that makes you kind of stop and think about it a little bit. Um, so that's... Uh, that's one of those things you, you stop and think about. Um, you're absolutely right. Uh, and it's got that that weird noise that's going in the background, too. Yeah, that's Which, what I was thinking. It's like, it's almost like a, it kind of reminds me of like the sleaze stack from um, Land of the Lost. <laughs> if I remember correctly, you know that. Oh, that's got that, that great like, 70s kitsch to it. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, whatever it is, they it's, Right, it's got those, those two noises going on. It's like a, ooh, and then there's also a, they kind of both go on. As you walk along and you hear the water dripping and stuff, it certainly has a creepy feel to it. Yeah. It's like, ooh. Uh, yeah, I think you're right, though. I think it's the sounds that make it creepier than the actual experience of going through it. Yeah, I think so. Because it's. I think if they didn't have the sounds in there, it would just be a dark cave. It would be, yeah. You know, it's fine. You're like, okay, I'm going through this dark cave, whatever, you know. Um, but the sounds really add to it. And my number one creepy thing in Disney World that is not in the Haunted Mansion is the glowing tiger in the Jungle Cruise temple. Yes. Oh, the tiger with the glowing eyes. Yep. As soon as you come in the uh, Shirley's temple there, yep. <laughs> you uh, you see him looking out at you and it's like, ooh. Yeah. That, and of course that whole temple is really creepy. It's tough to pick one image. But I will say that this time when we were there, we went on the Jungle Cruise at night. Ah, very nice. Which I had never done before. Yeah, I'm amazed at how many people have never done that. No offense to anyone, but I'm amazed at how many people have never done that because it's a whole other experience. Oh, it totally is. It actually, there's a nice element of surprise. Mm-hmm. It's actually a little bit scary at night because you don't know what's coming around the corner because all you can see is the pool of light. Right, right. 
Yeah, it's interesting because I've always, I've always, I preferred it at night when I was growing up. So I've done, I do it more at night than I do during the day. But I like them both. It's like two different attractions almost. It is, yeah. Um, when you when you go on it at, at night and during the day, but you're absolutely right. There's a certain there's a certain eeriness to it when you do it at night because the mist kind of comes out and you only have that little bit of light uh, cast down there. And if you happen to if you happen to catch it at the right time. Um, like during a parade or something, there's very few people on the attraction, and you almost get a private tour. And the and the um, the cast member who's who's the your skipper may give you a, a very special, you know, some special things because you're the only one on the boat. Um, oh, see, I'd never been on that. We had a pretty good crowd when we were there. I think there was maybe ten or fifteen other people with us. Okay, it's still not it's still not you know totally packed, but it's a good size. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if you get lucky enough to catch it at the right time, and there's almost nobody on the boat. It's it, sometimes the skipper will interact a little bit differently because it's one on one, and he'll take it as far as you want to take it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was really great. I mm-hmm. mean, especially when there was a couple of times when you know, like when she was screaming about the headhunter, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is actually really creepy because I know because she's screaming about something that I can't see yet." <laughs> <laughs> Makes it that much better, right? <laughs> so I like that. I thought that was really pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so those are my top five. Oh, also, I found. Are you familiar with Vimeo.com? I've heard of it. I don't know much about it. Um, I found some pretty cool haunted mansion related stuff on there, and one of the things that I found recently is this thing called the Haunted Mansion Hatbox Ghost Edition, and what it is is it's an animated trip through the haunted mansion. With alternate music cues and alternate ghost host um, spiel. You know, I read something about this somewhere on the internet. It may have even been on your site, but I, I know I read something about this because it sounded really interesting, and I hadn't hadn't had a chance to make it out there to see it yet. But I yeah. have to definitely do um, that. Yeah. So this is the Hatbox Ghost Edition. But also, let me. Uh, I'll give the link for people. Okay. But then, oh, but then I gotta tell you something else. Hold on. All right. The link is HTTP colon forward slash forward slash Vimeo that's V as in Victor I M as in Mary E O dot com forward slash two six two two seven nine four zero. And for those of you who are interested I'll also put that in my show notes so you can find it easily. Yeah. Uh and what I forgot to grab before the show, which I don't know did you see that they somebody actually found footage of the Hatbox Ghost in the Haunted Mansion? No, I did not. Oh my gosh. Wow. I'll have to find you that link um, and get it to you. I forget who it was. Actually, my, my now husband, he was my fiance earlier this year, obviously, but he found the link online. There was this guy who was going through all of his old, I guess, 1969 footage of his trip to Disneyland. Hmm. And... Apparently, with his little movie camera, he had filmed portions in the Haunted Mansion when he was playing it because he found it in his basement. You know, typical story. He forgot he had the film. He was going to get it transferred, you know, to DVD or whatever to save it, to preserve it. And he's watching a film, and um, all of a sudden he realizes he's got footage of the Hatbox Ghost as it appeared in in Disneyland. That is so cool. And it's only a couple of seconds. But that's enough because, you, you know, cause it gives you that creepy feeling, right? Oh, there it is. Yep. That fleeting moment. Yeah, because it was only there for, like, what, a week and then it mysteriously vanished or something? Something like that, yeah. 
Wow. So this would have been right after the mansion opened. He has, as far as I know, or maybe it's what he claims to have, the only footage that is out there of it when it was actually in the attraction. Maybe, maybe so. Um, that's, it's possible he's the only person that has it because I've never seen it. I've only heard legend of it. Yep. Um, Nope. This guy has video and it's amazing. It's like I said, it's not a very long clip. mm -hmm. All right. I'll, I'll find a link to it and I'll put it in the show notes as well. So you can see it. Um, that's, that's pretty cool. I want to make sure that that gets included. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's really neat. And I'm like, wow, you know, and, and of course the guy, he did a really good job. He, He doesn't just show you the clip. He tells you a little bit of, um, the history of the Hatbox Ghost and how it disappeared, you know, and all that stuff. So it's it's not just the clip. You get you get a nice bonus with it. Cool. I always like bonus. Bonus is good. <laughs> that is cool. Yep. I'm always amazed at the, at the hidden secrets that you find. I mean, you know, um, Disney Imagineers are bright guys. They often come from other worlds, have the cultural influences, have the um, the book knowledge, have some, you know, some other things that they bring to the table. So in the, you know, in the case of like, uh, the Haunted Mansion, it's a great opportunity for them to bring in all these ghost stories. So Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe, seems like Dickens is included, and there's others as well. And it's just amazing how they've kind of brought them all in there in little pieces and vignettes that kind of capture uh, your imagination just a little bit and make you think, you know, it's a part of your collective consciousness. I know I've seen this before. Where have I seen it? It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, like even the tea party. Yeah. You know, I mean, how many references and how many ghost stories do you know of where, you know, the little girl's like, I'm having tea with my imaginary friend. It's like, right. oh, you know, yeah, it kind of gets out there, too. Yeah, you know? it just captures it all. And I, I'm amazed by that, you know, and you, and you can look at it with the other um, dark ride attractions. They've done it, spent a lot of time doing that um, as a complete aside. And I'll have to do a whole other podcast about this. There's a uh, the story of the, the Pirates of the Caribbean. When they started researching all the pirates, they found out that the pirate stories weren't that interesting, but they took what was in pop culture and those references and, and brought those to life. Um, and that's, wow. what, that's what makes that attraction so interesting um, because there isn't a lot of history that really matches up with the romance of it all. No. Um, but, it, but they were able to do it anyway successfully. And I just find that interesting because, you know, here in the Haunted Mansion, there wasn't a specific story they were going after, but they were trying to bring together all of this collective stories to, to tell a broader story. And and then that just amazes me, you know, and there's all these backstories and purported stories of what the Haunted Mansion is or does at both the Disneyland and Disney World. And none of them are exactly true, but none of them are really wrong either. And it's kind of neat because it, it kind of lets your imagination run wild. What is the story? Who was the bride? What did she do? And uh, it's, it, that's kind of interesting about it. Yeah, I mean, I'd heard stories, uh, you know, before we got Constance. And, you know, I have no proof of this because I didn't look it up anywhere, but I had heard a rumor that, you know, the original bride's name in the mansion in the Walt Disney, you know, the, the Disneyland and Disney World mansions, that her name was Emily. Hmm. That was what I had, you know, heard rumors floating around. I never checked it out. I don't know if it's true, um, but it would be interesting if it were true because that would be a reference to Faulkner's A Rose for Emily. Hmm. Interesting. Which, of course, is a ghost story where, you know, uh, the husband, um, I mean, not to ruin the story for your listeners, but basically, you know, the, these kids, there's this woman who lives in this house and her name is Emily. And, um, you know, the kids don't like to go near the house. They're told not to go near the house, the neighborhood kids. And there's an odd smells coming from the house and all this sort of thing. And then, of course, at the end of the story, what we find out is that, she had been married and her husband died, but she never got rid of the body. 
Ooh, creepy. He's been sleeping with his body all these years. Ooh, creepy. And his skeleton, yes, exactly. So I thought that was rather interesting that if if she were, if her name really indeed was Emily, that really kind of has a very interesting connotation to it. Yeah, it does. And and that's the thing. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what stories were true and what wasn't. I mean, it could have been they told the cast members that because they had thought about it. Or it could have just been that someone else thought of it because they happen to think of Faulkner's book. Who knows? Yep. Um, but it's really it's really fascinating to me because there's a, a lot of, a lot of lore around it, but it it just lets you use your imagination and run wild with it because you can apply a lot of things in there. I mean, you know, why are they doing this? Why is the guy trying to escape from the casket? Why is there a you know why is there a guy who's playing the uh, the the piano or the uh, the organ in the beginning? Yeah, that sort of a thing. I guess it's a harpsichord actually, but you know all that stuff, and you can use your own imagination to figure out how that all fits together. So much stuff. I mean, we could spend hours and hours talking about all the stuff that's in the haunted. <laughs> oh, definitely. That's that's what's great about that particular attraction. I mean, you know, it's just it's got so much richness to it. But uh, I think we're running low on time for today. But I'd love to have you back on again in the future. We can. Oh talk yeah, about this again. I, well, hey, you know, I can come on every year and we'll discuss something else. That's cool. <laughs> that's in there. <laughs> I don't think we'll ever run out of. Uh, it's it's my regular you know Halloween uh, Christie event here you know where we have this on Disney on the Disney View podcast. Yes, that would be fun. <laughs> that would really be fun. I would look forward to that, and it keeps me sharp because it means I have to keep doing research during the year. That's right. You got to pay attention. That's right. I can't slack off. And that means you have to take more research trips. Yes, it does. So it? if I can help you with that in some way, I'm happy to. Yes, I definitely will. Uh, will let you know. I'll have to be like, hey, I'm going to do a research trip. Want to join me? <laughs> Uh, so we're talking with Christy Peterson Schoonover. Uh, you can uh, find her on the web. I'll put a link to her in my uh, in my show notes, so you can uh, you can find the link easily to get to her site. Um, but uh, Christy, always a pleasure to have you on. Oh, thank you for having me on. And um, oh, I just want to take a moment, even though it's not Disney related, just sure. because it's a benefit that I'm doing. Absolutely. Would you, would you mind? Not at all. My new horror novel called Bad Apple was just published by Bagamonage Press Books. It, it, the book basically is after an unfortunate incident on um, an apple orchard, there's a teenager, her name is Scree, and she's left with a father she's not sure is hers and a big long list of chores and the raising of her flaky brother's baby. So she kind of slowly goes crazy, basically, uh, and she tries to get the baby she tries to remove the baby from the house. They end up at this glitzy resort, and all of a sudden, you know, Haunted Mansion-esque things start to occur. Um, but the reason I wanted to bring it up was because 50% of my royalties from the sales of this book are going to an organization that's actually based in Florida called the American Association of Caregiving Youth. Uh, and that is a national resource for the support of children who are caring for their ill, injured, elderly, or disabled family members. So I was a youth caregiver, and so that's why this is sort of close to my heart. Um, and my publisher agreed to do this. So if you would like to go out and buy a copy, you can find it everywhere. Um, it's You can order it through Amazon. It's in all the different electronic formats. You can get it at Vagabondage Press Books, um, direct from their site. Um, you know, so I just wanted to bring that up. So I appreciate you letting me mention that. Absolutely. I'm always happy to promote a, a good cause. Uh, there's a great, great opportunity there for someone to get a good book, have a nice read and uh, contribute to a cause. So thanks for sharing that with us. Thank you. 
Well, that is my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we really can do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View Podcast. Show notes can be found on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. Looking to do some travel planning? Want to find an authorized Disney vacation planner? You should visit Destinations in Florida. Original music you hear in this podcast is courtesy of Sound On Music. You can find his music at ReverbNation.com slash SoundAy. Our thanks also go to Doug for his continued contributions to the show. You can find links to other great Disney podcasts, as well as the latest Twitter feed and the Disney Buzz on DisneyPodcast.net. And don't forget to check out Dave's iPhone apps. There's a Hidden Mickeys app for finding and sharing hidden Mickeys at all of the Disney parks around the world. There's also an app designed especially for pin traders. You can keep track of all your pins and your wish lists. Please be generous with your time or a donation to Autism Speaks. We do hope that you've enjoyed your visit and that you drive home safely. Show number... 114.